Hi, and welcome to another episode of Video Mojo. My name is John Leland, and I'm a video marketing strategist and a digital marketing strategist. And Video Mojo is my playful exploration of the leading edge, sometimes I say the bleeding edge, of video marketing, social video, and this whole new frontier of communicating online via video. And I have a very special episode today. We're kind of breaking our format, and I'm also experimenting with an entirely new kind of uh, live production. Uh, my guest is Abel Grunfeld. I'm practicing my uh, German pronunciation there. In America, we would say Grunfeld, but it's Grunfeld. Abel, how are you today? Yeah, I'm very good, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you. So uh, Abel is the uh, growth and marketing lead on a very interesting new startup. Uh, Riverside.fm is a video podcast recording platform is kind of one way to say it, but we're going to get into what does that mean and what's different about this kind of production and what's the marketplace for higher quality video interviews and video podcasts and this kind of program that we're producing here today. So Abel, let me start there. When, when you uh, market Riverside.fm, we're talking about a higher level of quality. Front and center on your homepage is Hillary Clinton, uh, who's recording her podcast using Riverside.fm. And among your clients, you have Spotify, Disney, Verizon, Microsoft, Shopify. Some, some real players in the content industry um, are using the platform. Why is that and, and kind of what's, what's different about Riverside.fm? What we, like, in the essence, do is, is quite simple. We, we try to make the workflow for content creators easy, for content creators that record interviews with remote guests. That can be, like you mentioned, with video, can also be audio only. So obviously, since nine months, everyone has had to adapt to the new reality. And so whereas we're used to recording offline and having a team of producers or having a studio environment, where you have high control, that is something we're used to and we can produce high quality content. But doing it remotely, especially with guests that are not tech savvy, that is a challenge. And so that is where we come in and that is where we take care of the underlying tech so that the host can focus on having a deep and meaningful conversation with their guest. And in this thing is that it works like a double ender, which is that Basically, when we're talking right now, we are actually recording on each other's machine and we're recording offline. It's called recording locally. And afterwards, we're automatically uploading these locally recorded files to the dashboard of the user of Riverside. So to say this simple, what that means is that recording locally is recording independent of internet connection. This ensures that the quality of the files is much higher. It is free of internet dropout. And that is a way to guarantee and to deliver much higher um, audio and video production quality as compared to other tools, for example, Zoom, for example, Skype, for example, Ecamm. Yeah, and I've been impressed. I mean, you know, so that aspect of getting separate tracks and having a full HD, actually you go the, all the way to 4K quality with the video and um, I'm less conversant with the audio. So. so it depends on the input. So it depends like the constraint in quality 
is not a constraint imposed by our program, but imposed by the equipment. So if you use a 4K camera, you can record up to 4K. If you use a professional mic, you can record studio quality audio. And so I'm, you know, what it does for me is, and this is kind of like where the marketplace distinction comes in, is that rather than recording a live, uh, you know, streaming webcast and accepting the fact that there's going to be dropouts and there's going to be a more grainy quality, what I'm seeing, and because I'm, this is Video Mojo and I'm most interested in video, when I test it, I, I get a beautiful local recording, very high quality, and that, those of you that are watching this on YouTube now, it's been compressed for YouTube, but I'm compositing Abel and I, not live, but actually in Final Cut Pro is how I'll edit it. So it's a commitment to quality that also is a commitment to uh, a different kind of workflow. And I'm interested in who do you think, how do you see this marketplace? So we mentioned a number of very big players um, who are committed to the quality. It comes to mind, I watched on Netflix uh, I think it was Oprah interviewing Barack Obama and they, you know, they did video ISO, like each of them had their own video production system and they merged them together. So this is a step towards that versus I think many people are doing live streaming and many people are using Zoom just for the convenience of it. And I kind of started out doing live with Zoom and then I moved to Ecamm and now I'm experimenting with this quality. But how do you see that market? Um, who's who's coming to you and who are the people that are producing shows at a level of quality that they want to go those extra steps in order to get that better quality? Yeah, I think I think it's it's a range of people. Um, so there there is a professional aspect, but there is also the aspect of people doing something for a hobby, doing something as a passion project, but wanting to deliver the quality that they can be proud of. Um, so translating that in more concrete things, when we look at our audience, it started with podcasters, it's audio only or video podcasters, and this can be professional ones with whole production teams and unlimited budgets. But we also see a lot of indie podcasters doing something for fun, really in a niche, and at the same time wanting to produce the highest quality possible. So that is one use case, podcasters. Then another um, use case is when it comes to recording video and recording video from a distance. So we see a lot of companies recording for internal communication or marketing, as well as recording interviews with external guests, which they distribute either on external channels, think YouTube, think any other social media to build up an audience, to gain trust for what they're trying to um, to sell or they use it to keep actually people, their uh, organization internally motivated and use it merely as a communication tool and as a more engaging communication tool. Very interesting. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I think taking a minute to reflect on this kind of production because, you know, pre pandemic, if you're doing a video documentary, for example, of course, you would have a crew go to wherever the guests are and interview them. And um, even within the radio production, NPR, my son Andrew has been a professional podcaster and taught audio journalism. And, you know, he told me that the term that they use in that industry is tape sync. 
So if they had a guest who was in a remote location, they actually would hire an audio producer who would go with a microphone uh, to the guest location because they don't expect them to have a good microphone to be able to record that kind of quality. And so it seems to me that Riverside.fm is really filling a gap there where pandemic or otherwise, like I wouldn't be able to interview you you in the Netherlands, and I don't think I, I wouldn't have the budget to hire a crew in the Netherlands to come to do a video recording. So next best thing, we really have good quality here versus doing the live event. Now, there may be some in immediacy that gets lost by not doing live, but it's an interesting menu and selection of options that producers have now. You think yeah. I get that right? Yeah, fill me in. No, absolutely. And um, what might be a valuable addition is that if you purely look at the product that we offer, so right now it's just the host and the guest, we're having a conversation, but we actually build something to help producer teams. So basically there's something called the producer mode, which allows producer to join the show, to be in control without being recorded and or visible. But at the same time, they can monitor, they can make sure that, let's say, there's no audio clipping. All participants use the right equipment, they can do sound checks. So we're really bringing the idea of a hands-on production team offline to an online environment. And so we also seek to bring you a virtual studio rather than simply like a video conferencing environment. But that's very interesting, you know, and I'm interested, one of the things I'll be transparent that I'm interested in developing and why I was interested in Riverside.fm is I want to work with corporations or visionary organizations that really have a message that want to do more of this kind of video. And um, so the opportunity for me to be a producer, I've actually directed Zoom video shoots or while they were recording locally with their iPhone. Um, you know, and so this is, I think, far more sophisticated and an opportunity also, like you said, to produce conversations. So we can also bring in, uh, I think you said seven or eight live video and capture those streams individually. And then you also have a call in mode, which, um, you know, uses this composite recording, which is not as high quality. So it's interesting when, when we do Zoom and we do gallery mode or we put, you know, in order to put two, three, four people on the screen, um, you know, that is, it is what it is. But in your case, we could do four people and record high quality four at a time. Each one has an independent track and we have that quality. If they're calling in, then it's very limited in terms of the quality. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. When you call in, it will be contingent on the quality of the internet connection. But if they join as a guest and you record them locally on a separate track, that is when you get indeed the high quality. Cool. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I'm not doing today that I was doing when I was doing live streaming uh, is being able to take the comments from YouTube or Facebook and, and put those up on the screen and answer questions in that way. Um, but this this in this case, you give me a link and I could I have any number of people watching in what is virtually a private room. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So um, there are three different statuses um, in terms of inviting people on Riverside. There's the guest link that you obviously send to your guest that you want to be recorded for the whole conversation. You're my guest on my, my Riverside.fm account. Exactly right. I'm here on the guest link 
and so it is two clicks and I'm like in the session. So that is, that is one part. The second part is for producers and that is the producer mode. So having a production team or having your audio or video engineer attend the session without being recorded. And then there's the third option and that connects to live streaming and that is an audience link. And you can share that audience link. For example, when you go live or when you start the recording in 30 minutes, you go to your Twitter and you say, hey, following in 30 minutes, I'm going live with A or B, tune in. And so what happens is they click on the link and they are not visible in the conversation. And the moment you hit the record button is the moment that you start your live conversation. And that is when they, as an audience member, can actually attend the session. And in addition to that, they can use the chat box on Riverside to ask questions. So this is a way to live stream on Riverside without any detrimental impact in terms of the recording quality. After it gets edited. So what they're, what they're watching live is a live stream of this composite mode, correct? That's and correct. No, no camera switching. I mean, that, the thing that I'm, why I'm a fan of Ecamm Live is I can do multiple cameras. I have a guest mode where I can then go to a two shot. I can actually live direct two shot, one shot, bring in graphics. It's like a live studio. So you're not competing with that, but, but I, it's a little bit geeky, but the technical question that I have is, you know, so I was doing Ecamm. Ecamm does do some live streaming, but I was using um, uh, Restream.io to go out simultaneously to my personal Facebook page, my professional Facebook page, and YouTube Live, um, and getting back the chat. Um, I don't know. This whole streaming area is fascinating. There's an, one advantage I see to your guest link, not the guest link, sorry, but the audience link. What do you, what did you call that? Yeah, exactly that's, right. Right, that's the participants that can just watch via the web page. So the chat then at least gives me the ability to answer questions, and that lends itself to kind of like membership groups, because <clears throat> you're not putting it on YouTube, you're not putting it on Facebook, you're just saying, we are going to be live and you'll get to participate in this session, you can ask questions, and if we take the time to edit it, the quality of the recording that we're going to send out is going to be exceptionally good. Yeah, absolutely. And if I, if I may add, and especially like given what you said, so I think what the, the following distinction is important to make. So when you talk about Restream, when you talk about um, Ecamm, these are live streaming platforms with some recording functionalities. Whereas what we do is we are a recording platform with some live streaming functionalities, meaning that we optimize for the recording element but in addition to that, we indeed provide some functionalities to go live. And like you mentioned, your use case of having a private community attending a live recording, that is a very cool one. And that is perfectly suitable indeed to do. That's really well said. I think that, that you know, because I think that, I mean, I know I'm exploring and sorting this stuff out for myself. And as I talk to people that are looking at the this whole world of live streaming and i don't know if are you familiar with this new audio only community platform called clubhouse is that come yeah. across your radar it's it's amazing I, i'm going to be doing programs in the future i'm sure about it because i've just been impressed it's unfortunately at the moment invitation only and um i i ios only but um it's amazing and it's you know 
it's audio only, it's a whole different live environment. And because they've got some critical mass, it's happening. But I went off the subject there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this idea of having uh, a, a, a closed community or offering it to your followers so that it isn't so much a social media thing as a media thing. But what you said, the distinction between the fact that you're a recording platform that does offer some live capabilities versus a live platform that does some recording definitely at a lower quality. I mean, that's a very clear distinction. Yeah, anything to add on that? No, I mean, I, th I think you captured it there perfectly well. And I think to add to what you said, it's very interesting what you're seeing. I mean, we've sold the acquisition of Twitter, of Twitter acquiring Breaker, um, which is again, I would say, uh, directly related to the rise of Clubhouse. Um, and the second thing that I would add is that what you can see is that Patreon, for example, now, so the private community membership, so a way for creators to monetize their work. That is something that is closely related to the idea or the use case you post of using such a platform as Riverside to host a session with a private community. And that is also something we recognize, we can see clearly a trend towards like a decentralization of let's say a media landscape where everything is becoming much more niche, much more based on the individual rather than the brand. And that is also where let's say different tools that can actually help a creator distribute their message. There, that is the position of these tools. And that's also, I would say a place where we're heading towards, which is going to be very, very different than what we see today. Yeah, and, and it also makes sense um, in terms of the corporate marketplace. You mentioned organizations earlier who want to do events for their own people um, and end up with a really high quality recording, but at the same time have multiple people on camera um, and have you know staff and other audiences who they would want to include at the time of live. Uh, and able to ask questions and so forth, but then distribute it as a more finished, polished production. Yeah, it's a, you know, so the the not only are we seeing revolutions in distribution, and you know, it, it was unimaginable not long ago to be able to do the quality of live uh, video that Zoom does, for example, or that the the quality of live production with all the bells and whistles that I'm able to do with Ecamm. But this is also fascinating that the programs um, can have the kind of production quality that we were used to pre-pandemic and, and pre-internet. The other thing that I, that is important to me, and I think is another kind of a tip, but also an advantage of having really good quality video and isolating it and not working around the multi-camera aspects that you end up with on Zoom, for example, is that I'm focusing more and more on short form video. And I love doing interviews like this and I love having the longer form format, but I think what's gonna be more valuable to my audience, particularly in a soundbite oriented culture, are the nuggets. And I just actually this week produced one of my first shorts, uh, an insight that I had in a conversation with Jay Akunzo of Marketing Showrunners. And um, those kinds of nuggets and the ability to edit out these short form videos will be ideal to have the high quality video and make those really kind of like sing sweetly from the quality point of view. Yeah, absolutely.
Absolutely. And I mean, when having a very insightful conversation, why not leveraging the fact that you have so much unique content? So what you can do, one, one use case I particularly like is that you record both audio and video. You use the audio for a podcast. You use the video for your YouTube channel. Then you repurpose the content and take, for example, 10 different clips of like the most interesting points being made. These you use for a social media marketing strategy. And then you can also transcribe, for example, the conversation and transform it into a blog post, which is a bit more to the point and synthesized. And then you have four or five different pieces of content, all different, all complementing each other and all being like perfectly made for different type of distribution channels. Yeah, I, I, well, you're preaching to the choir and I um, kind of even more than that, this is something that I'm moving into uh, when I talk about being of service to visionary organizations. The one point that I would disagree with you about is the audio production and the video production, because uh, as a producer, I don't want to edit both of those. So um, tell me if I'm missing something, but what my intention is and how I will do this program is that I will edit the video and then I will strip out the audio and distribute that as an audio podcast as opposed to doing a separate audio edit. And I 100% agree with you that part of the reason for doing what I call a web show, call it a video podcast, call it whatever you want, um, is not just for the original program, but for those opportunities to repurpose the content and refine them and deliver even higher quality clips by doing that kind of post-production. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, like you said, you can just edit the video and audio as one file. And so the moment you make one edit, it applies to all different files, all different tracks. And then once you have the finalized version, that is indeed when you can split them and use it to distribute as an audio file and like a video file. Great, Abel. It's, it's wonderful to talk to you. Thank you again for making the time and, and congratulations because I do think that Riverside.fm has identified a quality niche and it's evidenced in the people that are already using the platform. And uh, I don't think the, as they say, the toothpaste is going back in the tube with regard to the fact that even when the pandemic comes to an end, hopefully soon, uh, that we're going to be still more and more uh, working in virtual spaces and doing this kind of virtual production. Mm -hmm. So I think you're very well positioned. And as a longtime video producer, I can really see the value of having that quality. The big question for me to be transparent is how long will it take me to do an extra edit that is going to be more sophisticated? I'll be custom compositing the two shot of us side by side, as well as having the isolated tracks. So anyway, it, it'll be fun and it'll be an interesting part of this video exploration. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You'll see people that take a more hands off approach and try to minimize the time. You'll see people who outsource the whole process and you see people who really like to dive deep into it and really like do everything custom. So it's like you said, you can, you can make anything out of it. You can make it very simple or keep it simple, or you can go really deep and specific. Fabulous. Well, thanks again and enjoy your weekend in Amsterdam and stay safe.
We, I, I will mention for the audience that um, I got a couple of very interesting uh, interviews coming up. Uh, Jay Akunzo of Marketing Showrunners is going to be back, and I'm actually doing his course about uh, program premises and doing programs that matter and conversations that make a difference. Uh, and Sean McCabe, who is doing exactly the kind of repur repurposing of video that we're talking about, he's got something called the Daily Content Machine, and he's been a big leader in online marketing for a long time. I'll be interviewing him in February. So stay tuned to Video Mojo. I really appreciate you taking the time to watch, listen, whatever you do, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode.